and uh, I write for pleasure mostly. We met at the never-ending odyssey. You were in the workshop and then uh, I was there to interview writers and uh, you were telling me about I Am Legend and Richard Matheson. It was episode 93 where we started this series. Go to the show archive to catch the episode before this. In this episode, we talk about the man behind the book, I Am Legend, Richard Matheson. And we'll do a reading of his work. We start by talking about Matheson's short stories. Did you read the one called Born of Man and Woman? Uh, maybe. I read the next two short stories and then I moved on to something else. Okay. I like the short stories less. I wasn't... Uh, um, I wasn't caught up in them as I was with Iron Legend. So let's see, Barry Talents is one that I read, and I don't know if I read Prey or not. Yeah, I, I think I, I had that edition uh, when I was, I originally learned about this book when, about 10 years ago when I actually took a class on um, on vampire literature at Washington University. And it was, uh, of the we read Dracula and we read Carmilla and talked about all the, you know, basically the influence of vampires through history and up to the modern time. This was the, the big turning point of the vampire novel, I Am Legend. It's a really good one, by the way. I can't pronounce the guy's name. It's called Let the Right One In. I think it's a, it's a translation. It's, it might be Swedish. Lundqvist might be the name of the guy. Uh, but there's a movie made about it as well, an, an American version and a, and a European version. And the European one is a great movie. And if, if you are interested in more zombie-tastic goodness, that's... Uh, it's available. Yeah. And the book is really good, too. I remember the movie uh, vaguely. Oh, no. I, it's been a long time. I remember liking the movie. That's what I remember. Uh, but mm -hmm. I, I haven't read the book, so. Huh. Yeah, I, I think it's probably in the horror thriller uh, section of the videos, if you will. Mm -hmm. We both liked the book. Um, you brought up that other story. What was the story, and did you like it? And did it, was it writing the similar? It's called Born of Man and Woman, and it's... So I, I've, not, I've read a few of Matheson's stories. I've not read any of his other novels. I Am Legend is really the big one, but... I think I think a lot of what he did was that kind of it's out of fashion now, but the twist ending story. I, actually, I Am Legend is technically a twist ending, but it's just it's a novel that had, that it cleverly develops that twist all the way through. So I feel like that it is earned, and I, I love writing tw twist ending stories. They're really really hard to do, especially in a novel length. That's part of the genius of I Am Legend. Born of Man and Woman is a similar story, and I don't think I want to I shouldn't spoil it, but what it it has echoes of for me. And I don't know when when. Ursula Le Guin wrote the story, um, "The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas." That's a that's also a flash fiction, and I think I think the uh, "Born of Man and Woman" is also short. But I think he probably wrote his story first. But they share a similar element. They're both really good. They're both very different, but they have to do with sort of society's guilt and the kind of emotional 
weight that children play in our society. So wow. they're both short. They're both super interesting. They're both delightfully dark. <laughs> so he's consistent is what I'm hearing uh, in, in, in yes, that. All right. I think so. And I guess he wrote a lot of screenplays too. Right. Uh, he wrote for the Twilight Zone. He wrote a pretty well-known story, 20, something about 20,000 feet in the sky or in the air. It's about a, a plane, a plane flight, which are now at 30,000 feet. Not that anybody cares. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm not well-read in, in his other works. I was so taken by this. And frankly, anybody who can write a 150 to 175-word page novel, I'm a total fan of. Cause yeah. Most novels, in my opinion, yeah, yeah. which is you know not one that anybody probably cares about, but it can definitely be. There's a lot of extra words that I don't feel are necessary. Right, right. Yeah, it, it's a... Uh... Yeah, no, I appreciate the the fast read novel as well. Uh, P.K. Dick did that well, and and uh, mm -hmm. maybe maybe Matheson wrote that as a pulp author as well, because the pulps I think were into churning out shorter novels and more of them mm -hmm. rather than a few big ones. Yeah, he was a pulp author. That's right. Yeah, and he wrote this when he was twenty eight, which I was like immediately jealous. I thought, wow, twenty eight. So let's see, he got done with maybe he went to college. I'm assuming that, and then he had spent eight years doing something. Some of that was <laughs> writing, apparently, because he did this really. He really executed this well. Well, so yeah, so I think his first publication was in 1950, and one of the very early, I think the third issue of uh, the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. But he had been in um, he had been in uh, World War II, um, and I, I don't recall what his his role was, but he had done that, and then he went back to school and got his de degree in journalism. So I guess it was the GI Bill or something. Um, and not to make a shameless plug for the state of Missouri, but he did attend the University of Missouri. Okay. Was, which is a really good journalism school even now. Oh, wow. I did not go to the University of Missouri, by the way. I did for a, a master's degree, but I went to I went to K University of Kansas for my architectural degree. Oh, okay. Matheson published his first short story at the age of eight in the Brooklyn Eagle, a newspaper. He entered... Brooklyn Technical High School in 1939, graduated in 1943, and served with the Army in Europe during World War II. This formed the basis for his 1960 novel, The Beardless Warriors. He attended Missouri School of Journalism at the University of Missouri, earning his B.A. in 1949, after which he moved to California. Yeah, and it seems like he was pretty well acknowledged as being a master of the genre. He got a lot, you know, many of the big awards, uh, SF and F Master and um, Horror Writers Association accolades and all that kind of stuff. I think primarily for his, for I Am Legend, but for some of his other work as well. Can we characterize his writing to be similar to someone else who maybe our audience is more familiar with? So, for example, we talked about how he writes more deeply into characters than Asimov and many of Heinlein's stories. <clears throat> and then the other far side of the spectrum is the literary writers that you read and usually like in school, like uh, um, Grapes of Wrath. Um, sorry, Steinbeck. Steinbeck, thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that his, his writing style is generally considered um, fairly sparse. I, I Am Legend, I, for me, is, uh, is ahead of its time in that, it, to me, it reads like a cross-genre. It's clearly a horror novel. There are, there are science fictional elements in it, though it's not really a science fiction novel. It's more a horror novel because it's about his, the psychology, of his sort of eroding psychology and his loneliness.
Native Cross Genre, it's a combination of horror and and literary. And a very good combination. It's because it reads quickly, despite the fact that there's a lot of, you know, alcohol drinking and glass throwing and <laughs> raging and, you know, bad decisions being made and that sort of thing. Right. Well, yeah. And, and, and Stephen King had something nice to say about how it helped uh, form... Uh, his writing style. This is from St- Stephen King's blurb. Books like I Am Legend were, were an inspiration to me. So there's a nice ringing endorsement from somebody else. Well, Stephen King's a good example. Maybe Neville yes. and King are similar in this vein because Stephen King's a very, he's even, I would say he's even more character than Neville, but I'd say Neville is closer to Stephen King than, say, uh, Heinlein Asimov for uh, character. Yes, that's a great point. No, Stephen King definitely, he's very good at characterization. It, those two both do really good things with character and with the sort of concepts or the plots of their stories. I think that Stephen King's, he's often, it's often commented on that his works get, can be a little bit too long. Mm. But so the early Stephen King stuff is much more like the style of I Am Legend. He, he wrote a story called the, the Bogeyman or The Boogeyman, which is a short story. It's one that's discussed in Odyssey, as I recall. Very short, sparse horror story, very much Matheson-like. So you can see his King's influence from Matheson in that. I think that's actually a really good comparison because their writing is, aside from the length, is is pretty similar. Yeah. Is there an excerpt you'd like to read from uh, I Am Legend? I was super excited about this interview, so I I bought a uh, Whoa. Like a, a nice illustrated edition. Holy smokes! Nice. It's so cool. Oh, can you see this? It says, I am. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a little slip, little slip cover. Um, wow. I had found a really interesting excerpt on how he was conducting his research that was a good example of, of how we as readers understand that he's crossed the line, uh-huh. but he, Neville doesn't see it himself. It's early in the novel, and Robert Neville is drinking and thinking about what he's done. Actually, this is a, it's about him... And, and the research that he's doing. Uh, the first excitement he'd felt in months made him break into a run for the station wagon. As the door slammed shut beside him, he wondered if he should have taken away the dead man. Would the body attract others? Would they invade the crypt? No, they wouldn't go near the casket, anyway. It was sealed with garlic. Besides, the man's blood was dead now. It... Again, his thoughts broke off as he leaped to another conclusion. The sun's rays must have done something to their blood. Was it possible, then, that all things bore relations to the blood, the garlic, the cross, the mirror, the stake, daylight, the earth some of them slept in? He didn't see how, and yet he had to do a lot of reading, a lot of research. It might be just the thing he needed. He'd been planning for a long time to do it, but lately it seemed as if he'd forgotten it altogether. Now this new idea started the desire again. He started the car and raced up the street, turning off into a residential section and pulling up before the first house he came to. He ran up the pathway to the front door, but it was locked and he couldn't force it in. With an impatient growl, he ran to the next house. The door was open and he ran to the stairs through the darkened living room and jumped up the carpeted steps two at a time. He found the woman in the bedroom. Without hesitation, he jerked back the covers and grabbed her by the wrists. She grunted as her body hit the floor, and he heard her making tiny sounds in her throat as he dragged her into the hall and started down the stairs. As he pulled her across the living room, she started to move. Her hands closed over his wrists, and her body began to twist and flop on the rug. Her eyes were still closed, but she gasped and muttered, and her body kept trying to writhe out of his grip. Her dark nails dug into his flesh. 
He tore out of her grasp with a snarl and dragged her the rest of the way by her hair. Usually, he felt a twinge when he realized that, but for some affliction he didn't understand, these people were the same as he. But now, an experimental fervor had seized him, and he could think of nothing else. Even so, he shuddered at the strangled sound of horror she made when he threw her on the sidewalk outside. She lay twisting helplessly on the sidewalk, hands opening and closing, lips drawing back from red-spotted lips. Robert Neville watched her tensely. His throat moved. It wouldn't last, the feeling of callous brutality. He bit his lips as he watched her. All right, she's suffering, he argued with himself. But she's one of them, and she'd kill me gladly if she got the chance. You've got to look at it this way. It's the only way. Teeth clenched, he stood there and watched her die. In a few minutes, she stopped moving, stopped muttering, and her hands uncurled slowly, like white blossoms on the cement. Robert Neville crouched down and felt for her heartbeat. There was none. Already her flesh was growing cold. He straightened up with a thin smile. It was true then. He didn't need the stakes. After all this time, he'd finally found a better method. Nice. All right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good example. It talks about, it, it, expo- it shows how he writes. It shows how he creates sentences and how he expresses ideas. Uh, what I appreciate about what you just read is how quickly he gets from the, uh, he was somewhat, was he, I think he was in the room with his wife's casket. Yeah, and he was, that's right. And he uh, gets in his car and then he hustles over to this building and, 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 and gets a test subject. So he's inspired while he was at his wife's casket to, to do this. The writing moves fast because he went from driving from where his wife's at to pull, dragging somebody out of their out of their bed because they like the dark. Uh, he did that with probably in a paragraph, maybe two at most. So he really he really uh, did that well. It's incredible you know, how quickly he's able to keep it moving and also to imbue it with that sense of um, like you were saying that, that Neville is just consumed by this um, desire to 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 figure out what's going on and also. What he did there was pretty terrible. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, but he explained it too. He's, he said usually he does feel kind of bad, but now he's like all about the experiment. So, um, yeah, it all depends on what you think of the, the, the people who are being experimented on, whether they're people or whether they're uh, something like embers of what was left of other previous lives. Right. Yeah, whether they're actually sentient or suffering or, or what. Right, but right. The glory of the book is that you've, you figure the answer out in the end, and it makes that passage sound a whole lot different. (laughs) Matheson's first novel, Hunger and Thirst, was ignored by publishers for several decades before eventually being published in 2010. His short story, Born of Man and Woman, was published in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction, Summer of 1950. This story attracted attention, and it is a tale of a monstrous child chained by its parents in the cellar, cast as the creature's diary in poignantly non-idiomatic English. Later that year, he placed stories in the first and third numbers of Galaxy Science Fiction, a new monthly magazine. His first anthology of work was published in 1954, and between 1950 and 1971, he he produced dozens of stories, frequently blending elements of science fiction, horror, and fantasy. His other early novels included The Shrinking Man, 
The film is called The Incredible Shrinking Man, again, Matheson's own screenplay, and his science fiction vampire novel, I Am Legend, 1954, filmed as the last man on Earth in 1964, and then again as the Omega Man in 1971. Matheson wrote several screenplays for several television programs, including some westerns, The Twilight Zone. He wrote Star Trek episode The Enemy Within in 1966. In 1973, Matheson earned an Edgar Award from the Mystery Writers of America for his teleplay The Night Stalker one of the two TV movies written by Matheson and directed by Dan Curtis. Matheson is survived by his four children, three of which, Richard Christian Matheson, Chris Matheson, and Ali Matheson, became writers of fiction and screenplays. Matheson died on June 23, 2013, at his home in Los Angeles, California, at the age of 87. Stephen King has listed Matheson as a creative influence, and his novels Cell and Elevation were dedicated to Matheson. Anne Rice stated that when she was a child, Matheson's short story, A Dress of White Silk, was an early influence on her interest in vampires and fantasy fiction. However you found sci-fi thoughts, be it iTunes, Stitcher, or any of the other podcast aggregation services. If you've enjoyed the show, go ahead and do us a favor. Go to wherever you get this podcast and leave us a review. Even clicking a few stars. And this will help out the show in many ways. We've got several goodies in the show notes. So if you have a podcast player or you want to browse to our website, you will find many links to I Am Legend movie clips and links that take you right to the book and about Richard Matheson. Open up that podcast player and tap, tap, tap. Next episode, we dig further into I Am Legend. So let's say we're back in the 1950s and we are in Matheson's uh, critique group. What would you recommend to him to pr improve it further? So let's say he brought this manuscript in, I Am Legend. Uh, do you have a suggestion for him? 